Brian Newman, our legal correspondent, is back with us this week with a uh, very interesting story of a court battle that is still going on after six years uh, involving SOM and a condo project that they designed in San Francisco. It's kind of a scary case for architects, really represents a, a big potential liability that could affect the architecture industry in general. So um, it'll be really interesting to follow this case. It's not finished yet, but it's at the California Supreme Court level at this point. And uh, why don't we just let Brian describe it in more detail? So I'm here again with Brian Newman, our legal correspondent. Brian, how are you doing? Doing great. Paul, good to be back. So I hear you are bringing an interesting story that uh, is actually a great follow-up to our last two episodes about disputes and resolutions and contracts. I am. I am. So uh, today's story involves uh, a residential construction, a condo construction in San Francisco. The project is called The Beacon. It's a 600-unit condominium project uh, right across the street from AT&T Park where the Giants play. And uh, the issue has actually gone all the way up to the California Supreme Court. And the, the question is essentially a question of liability as between a developer and an architect uh, in terms of a, a negligent construction and, and an allegedly negligent design. So in this case, the developer hires uh, the principal architect, which is uh, Skidmore, Owings & Merrill, SOM, to design the project. Uh, they go ahead and design it. As it turns out, uh, due to the design, allegedly, uh, there's a problem with the glazing. There's a problem with the ventilation. There's some alleged structural defects. And the building allegedly retains heat to such an extent that it's, it's unlivable for many of the, uh, the people who live there. So... Once it's finished, the developer sells it, uh, sells 600-odd units, and the association, the condo association, turns around and sues uh, not only the developer, but also the architect, SOM, essentially saying that this is negligent design. Uh, interesting in this case, during the construction process or shortly thereafter, uh, when, the, when the issue came up, particularly with the heat retention, SOM went to the developer and said, hey, you know, this is something we could fix uh, by fixing some of the glazing, which would essentially involve more expensive windows. The developer allegedly said, no, you know, we're not going to do that. We're going to keep it the way it is to save costs. And so as a result, ended up in a lawsuit. So what's interesting about the case compared to, to other cases like this, the developer is going to be in the case because the developer is the one who actually sold the units to the homeowners. The architect filed a motion with the trial court, the lower court, and said, hey, we didn't have any deal with these homeowners. We had a deal with the developer, so we should be out of the case. And, and the trial court actually agreed with the architect and said, okay, you're out of the case. The homeowners, who are the plaintiffs in the case, went ahead and appealed all the way to the California Supreme Court. And the issue before the Supreme Court was, does the architect have a duty to third parties, third party purchasers whom the architect didn't actually contract with? So the Homeowners Association appealed the release of liability of the architects, which SOM in this case, that's what they were appealing? That's exactly right. Okay. So the, the question was, should they get out of the case You know, before the case even went to a jury? So it went all the way to Supreme Court. Supreme Court said, you, the architect, you're on the hook to the future homeowners, uh, even though you didn't have a contract with them. The reason being, according to the Supreme Court, they had reason to know that these units would be sold to members of the public. And then if there was a, an alleged design defect, that this is something that uh, they should be essentially on the hook for. At least at least possibly, you know, the issue will go to a jury. They haven't been found liable yet, but the, the issue is really when could they get out of the case? At the very beginning, or they have to litigate, in this case now, for several years. So unfortunately, it's, it's, it's a bad ruling for architects. It significantly expands uh, the scope of their potential liability. 
Because in the past, when we get a case like this, the, the sort of knee-jerk reaction was immediately file a motion to dismiss, or what's called a demur in state court. The idea being architects didn't have any sort of what they call privity of contract with the homeowners. They never entered into a deal with, with the homeowners. They entered into a deal with the developer. So it'd be one thing if they were sued by the developer, but in this case, they were sued by by parties whom they never actually uh, entered into a contract with, they never received money from, they never took direction from. And so their point was, we have no duty to them. And the Supreme Court disagreed. So another pro-consumer ruling from the California Supreme Court. So the architects actually included something in their contract trying to release them of this type of liability, and the Supreme Court disagreed with that. So they overruled that. That's exactly right. They had it actually had a clause which said uh, there, there shall be no third-party beneficiaries as between the contract uh, between SOM and the developer. So no third-party beneficiaries. In other words, this contract is between the developer and SOM, and that's it. And they actually made this argument in the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, no, 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 you don't get off that easy. Uh, you may say there's no third-party beneficiaries, but under California law, we're going to find that you actually have a duty to the homeowners, to the condo owners, and in this case, the, the, uh, the condo association. So it seems like releasing any liability to third-party beneficiaries is a little bit of a gray area. Because I, I know in the in the news recently, there's been a number of cases, strangely, involving large pieces of uh, large buildings falling off. So in this case, with, with this point in their contract, uh, releasing themselves from third-party beneficiaries, if a piece of their building, for example, fell off and landed on somebody and killed them, that person would not according to their contract, be allowed to sue the architect, even though the architect may may have been at fault. Yeah, there, there's no, uh, the, the Supreme Court ruling really opens the door to more lawsuits, more lawsuits by uh, by plaintiff's lawyers against, against developers, against engineers, against architects, against all the design professionals who previously were sort of in the background. In other words, it used to be, you know, you had the design professionals, you had the principal architect, you had the sub-architect, you had the engineers, then you had the developer who actually interfaced with the public by selling selling the units. And so what this California Supreme Court case really stands for is this, the fact that, uh, you know, when you have a lawsuit, if you, the homeowner, or you, the homeowners association, you can bring in everybody involved in the project up to certain limitations. There is a statute of limitations, which can be as long as 10 years for what's called a latent defect. But it's, it's really uh, expands uh, the number of people you're going to see in court. So is there a clear way for architects to protect themselves from this type of, of dispute? It's a good question. Unfortunately, it's a tough issue right now. This is a pretty new case. It's about a four-month-old case from the California Supreme Court. So the issue is going to be fleshed out over the coming months. But I think the short answer is this is this is a point that really needs to be negotiated uh, at the outset of the, the contractual relationship between the architect or the engineer and the developer. In other words, you know, when they sit down to have the, the conversation about who's doing what, as uncomfortable as it may be to bring up the topic, you may have to bring up, you know, if there's a lawsuit, who's paying whom, you know, who's indemnifying whom. So typically the developer is going to say, if it's an issue for uh, negligent design, the architect's on the hook for it. And that, that would be the typical developer's point of view. The architect is certainly free to try to negotiate back and say, all right, you know, here's what I'm doing. I'm going to design the, the, the building. I'm going to give you this advice in terms of what I think, for example, with the windows in this case, and you're free to take that advice or not. But if there's a lawsuit, you know, you're paying for it. And in this case, particularly because it was something that was discovered before the construction was finished. Uh, and they actually did make a, a suggestion on how to rectify the problem, you know, by fixing the windows, which would have been a more expensive option. So one thing they could have done, and of course, hindsight is 2020, is essentially renegotiate the relationship at that point with, with the developer and say, here's what we're recommending. You know, you do this, you can do it or not do it. But if you don't do it, and there's a lawsuit, you know, this is something where we put you on notice of it. And, uh, you know, so to the extent that we get sued, you should be on the hook for it. And of course, the developer didn't need to agree to that, but it's something that, you know, is part of the negotiation. 
Is the court trying to say that the architect should have been more firm in its advice on on this uh, possible solution? I think what the court was saying was, you know, vis-a-vis the, the rights of the homeowner, the homeowner can sue everybody. And the defendants, the various defendants, who in this case are the principal architect, there was the sub-architect, I believe the engineers in there, and the developers in there, they can all sort it out amongst themselves. So in addition to this principal lawsuit, there's also cross-complaints back and forth, where, of course, the developer wants money from the architect, the architect likely wants money from the developer. So from the court's point of view, the defendants can fight amongst themselves in terms of who's paying, but the, but the homeowner, the condo association, gets to sue everybody. So it sounds like this case is setting up a, an interesting precedent, which is kind of scary for, for architects. Perhaps you can come back and uh, talk about this again in, in an upcoming episode so that we can, we can track the, uh, the status of this. Maybe we can talk more about how architects can avoid this problem and protect themselves. I'd love to. Great. Thanks, Brian. All right. Thanks, Paul. Talk to you next week. Okay. Bye-bye.